With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, 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 and welcome once again to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. This is your weekly roundup of the news. This is ESSR Central. I'm your host, as always, Ross McLeod, joined by a very special guest this week. We've outsourced a couple of times, and, well, David Campbell was so in love with John Isherwood that we went out and got another Liverpool fan. We've got Adam Kaler. Adam, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm very good. I mean, a Stephen Gerrard loving... It is always wonderful for me, so I'm, I'm glad to hear you. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if, if I can top John Isherwood, but I will try. I, I mean, we'll let David Campbell be the guest on that. He's CA, so <laughs> the judge on that. He seemed very infatuated with Big Sexy John, but who knows? You could be the heartbreak killer. Who knows? <laughs> to his Big Daddy cool. Uh, that is uh, a name I've never been called, but I'll uh, I'll go with it. <laughs> I've never been I've never been verbally harassed on a podcast before. This is new, but we'll go with it. <laughs> um, we'll bounce right in, obviously, the big story of the week, Extreme Rules. But before that, of course, we have a massive back catalogue of news, previews, interviews and reviews. You can find that all at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and all good Android podcasting sites. And, of course, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it, and of course, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community. Get on there, get involved in the conversation. Well, after that, Extreme Rules. A show I thought was great from top to bottom. I thought uh, good, solid matches. I thought, even though there wasn't as much extreme in previous <laughs> Extreme Rules, a great yeah. main event, great back and forth, undone by... I think a silly decision at the end. I I still don't understand what that was at all. Is it the return of God for the first time since 2006? I, I don't get what that was. Neither do I. Um, we'll, we'll start with the actual match itself. Finn Balor versus uh, Roman Reigns. The demon... Um, I think is a victim of obviously Raw these past few weeks has been really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of as a an answer back to how good AEW has been in recent weeks. And I think the return of the demon 
was another tragedy of WWE trying to pop ratings. And I think it took some of the mystique away from the demon in the build-up of the match. The fact that we know there's the big Saudi blood money match between Brock and Roman. We know Roman's not going to lose at a B pay-per-view. And yeah, I think don't get me wrong, the big the big mark that I am, I am um, when the heartbeat started, which by the way I did like, if you're gonna go in with a demon and make him a supernatural character, go oh, all in. It it literally, it literally looked like he was having an anaphylactic shock on the floor. <laughs> you it know was what? the strangest Some, thing. I'm not here to judge, you know what I mean? So but he the heartbeat stuff I thought was okay. I, it was just the... And I understand the storylines to make it look like Roman got lucky. But if anything, it just makes Balor look stupid that he spent so much time standing on the top rope. Yeah, I... I, I I've lost a bit of love for that demon character over the years because it never ends with anything interesting. It He does the demon and then inevitably he loses. There's no, there's nothing fearful about that character, and to have him start wildly humping the floor while his theme tune plays, like to keep the theme music going for the whole time, made zero sense as well. And then the rope breaks, and then Roman says, "Thank you, God." It was just the weirdest ending to a match for a very, very long time. And I think the annoying thing as well is it was it was the Extreme Rules match. It was the only Extreme Rules match on the, you know, technically with a triple threat match. There's no DQs in that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the fact that your signature pay-per-view went off the air, so your sig- the pay-per-view went off air with the signature match ending in sort of a, a clustery way, you know, in a, yeah. in a match there's no rules and you could easily just have the Usos beat the shit out of them. Yeah. They, and obviously we we are we are upset obviously over this booking decision. We are we are sort of maligning it, but at the same time, I think the frustrating thing was the pay per view up until that point had been really really good. Yeah, I mean, also the, I get that they're trying to think outside the box with finishes, but there would have been nothing wrong with the Usos coming in beating the hell out of Bala, and that was the finish. Yes, it would have been obvious, but it would have made perfect sense. And then if the beating carried on, Brock could have come down. That would have been the the out-of-the-box thing. But, yeah, the rest of the pay-per-view was actually pretty good, to be fair. Um, The only bugbear I have is they built up Liv Morgan uh, having a second pay-per-view match, and then they put it on the pretty show. That annoyed me. Just, Just like our first one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, technically the single match was on the Wrestlemania kickoff yeah that's true I feel so sorry for her she deserves so much better than that yeah I think I think we looked at it we saw there wasn't a lack of <laughs> a lack of extreme and a lack of stars and I think WWE saw that which is why they added the, the last minute um, the last minute uh, six Sorry, couldn't remember the match there. The last minute six man tag. Um a good fun back and forward six man tag and 
I like how they didn't just waste Bobby versus Big E without a build. Yeah. They they did the six person tag, much like the cash in. Big E pins Bobby again, but under shenanigan sort of circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> and it also served its purpose of continuing to build Amos as like a massive beast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Great six-person tag. Great to see the New Day back together. Great to see the New Day working in tandem while one of them is world champion because it seemed, even though they were on the same brand, it seemed when Kofi was champion, it was very much Kofi's the champion. Big E and Xavier are the New Day. They are separate. They are over there. Yeah. So it was nice It was nice to get them over, over as a team while one of them is world champion. And then, of course, held in the preview to Raw for the next night which turned out to be a barn burner of the match. We'll talk about that a wee bit later on. Uh, and, yeah, just a big fan of great six-man tag to start the show. I think the new there was a lot of rumours a couple of years ago that the new day were going to split, and I think Big E was going to go heel, or one of them would go heel. But I think it takes a leaf out of AEW's playbook with something Jericho said a few weeks ago, where they don't always have to meet together all the time for them to be the new day or for you know oh, i can't remember the name of jericho's group it's gone out of my head the inner circle um you know the inner circle don't always yeah. have to be together for them to be the inner circle they can do other things and that's what new day are doing now they do other things separately and then they come back every so often get a pop and yeah it's good for the fans yeah absolutely like i i've always said um, I get annoyed with certain teams or certain stables that split up too soon in WWE and why can't you have like a a Bullet Club style thing where Bullet Club is massive so like occasionally you'll have you know a, a Ring of Honor show I went to back in 2018 the Bullet Club was the team of Adam Page and Cody Rhodes they were the ones going for the tag titles two singles guys but also part of a group so you've got single stars and you've got tag stars in the same sort of vein and yeah glad to see the New Day have never split up and I'm, I'm really glad for Big E that he's he's currently WWE champion and he's not had any of these you know so-called experts like Big E needs to turn heel or Big E needs to get serious yeah. or Big E needs Big E has stayed as Big E that's what made him popular and that's what got him to the WWE title and it's also nice to see I mean they've been going since July 2014 I don't yeah. think people realise they've been going more than seven years. That's People accuse the WWE of being crap at long-term booking, which they are. They are awful at it, but, you know, credit where credit is due, they've kept that group together come hell or high water for such a long time. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, as well, the, the sort of reunions or when people have been out injured, it's never been like a reunion, we're back together, like the Shield... The Shield, when Ambrose was out the door, that they were on like their ninth reunion, and it was just tiresome at that point. <laughs> yeah, but that was just because they were trying to get as much blood out of Dean Ambrose <laughs> before he left. To be fair, like every week it was a, a, a Shield reunion show. <laughs> the Shield's last match in Chicago. The Shield's last last match in New York. Shield's last match in a different part of New York. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible few months. God, it really was. Um, speaking of a terrible few months, um, the Lily 
inspired character for Alexa Bliss. Yeah, I, I'm hoping this is the end of it. Yes, you know, I'll give her credit. She's she's done the best with what she's had. She's tried to portray the fact that she loves the character, and I clearly don't think she does. Um, but there was a tweet going around a while ago about a really good way for her to end this would be to come back in the draft or get drafted to Raw, suddenly turn up looking normal and just say, I had a case of the Mondays and walk off. <laughs> it would be the best ending. And I'm hoping that's what happens now. I mean, I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be against her continuing it. Then, you know, if it does come to a natural ending, taking some time off, coming back as normal bliss. Yeah. But I think what made this match so good yeah, there was the post-match Lily shenanigans, which neither of us really enjoyed. But Alexa Bliss is a good in-ring wrestler, very underrated, been improving, uh, and we've not actually seen much of the results of that improvement because she has been relegated to, you know, spooky segments and short matches and mind games. So when you put her in there with Charlotte Flair, who I think is an argument to be WWE's best wrestler, male or female, and let them go, I thought it was a really good match. Yeah, you can't argue with Alexa's in-ring ability. She's, I, th- I don't think she's ever really had a bad match, to be fair. Um, and yeah, the match was good. It was a, a typical sort of Charlotte Flair match. She looked strong. Alexa gets in a load of offence, and she kind of went back to old Alexa, which is what everyone wanted to see. And then she ended the match with a softman in her mouth and foaming at the lips for no apparent reason. Um, apart from that it was a really good match yeah hopefully this is the the end of the Lily thing I did however have to cringe hey who was it that had the cat in New Japan oh god um it wasn't Maki Ito who was it whoever had the cat it's called Daryl that's all I remember yeah (laughs) and apparently Daryl get torn apart and these same people, these same New Japan purists and air quotations were then going, well that was so stupid, why did they rip up a doll? It was Takahashi. Yeah, it was Takahashi. Takahashi. Yeah. Oh. So I, I did get a laugh at that, the usual, the, the Dave Meltzer lights that you see online that usually um, that usually like to pretend they're better than everyone else. Yeah. But anyway, Damien Priest, Jeff Hardy and Sheamus, triple threat match. Nice to see Jeff Hardy back in, in feuds, back, back to being used and not back to being just a main event regular. And chasing after the 24-7 title for no reason. Um, but no, it was, it was, it was, it was actually a, quite a good match. It was a, a classic triple threat match. Everyone looked strong at certain points. And the crowd, I think the crowd really wanted Jeff Hardy to win. Um, but the right, priest wins. It's the right decision because I think Jeff, I think Hardy now is is too. I think he's a little bit past his best. Um, he is the nostalgia pop. The kids love him, but I don't think it would have been right to have Priest lose to Hardy. To be fair, I actually thought they were going to do pump me. The classic um, sort of triple threat finish. I thought. Either Sheamus or uh, Priest was going to end up like looking like they're going to win after hitting their finisher, and then Jeff was either going to swan Tom from the top, which he did at one point. He got a very near three count there. Yeah. He was either going to swan 
from the top and like steal the win or do that classic one where someone gets drop kicked out the ring after hitting their finisher. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's how most of the Miz's matches used to end. Yeah. Yeah, and it was always you could always tell because uh, you could always tell when someone was being moved into a different program when they moved when they moved from the uh, sorry, from the mid-card title to the main title because it would be in a triple threat match and they would lose that way. Example, AJ Styles. Yeah, uh, true. Lost the title in a triple threat match. Two weeks later, he's WWE champion. Yeah, true. I mean, I have to get, you've got to get credit for Sheamus. He's, he has just been so consistently good for so long now. Um, I think that he's, I think he's going to be out for a bit with the, the injury from what I heard. He's up an operation or something. But he... Every... every uh, yeah, I mean, every match he's in, he just proves that he does deserve to be there, and he, and he is an extremely solid performer. Yeah, I think he's um, he's always he's someone who is very good when he has a story, or when even if he doesn't have a story, but he's heel instead of face. Mm. He's always a very good character. It's when they try to make him the top baby face. You know, the guy is six foot three and built like a brick you know what house and is living a student that's not someone you want to cheer you know what i mean he's not yeah. he's not an every man he should be booed because he's living everyone else's dream but he, even even when he he is a good guy he does you know he he does that well as well i mean i know he, he's not been faced very often but he does it well and you still want to cheer him yeah um the women's championship match, SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, yeah. ends in a no contest after uh, Sasha Banks makes her return. Uh, I know a lot of people are really, really looking forward to this triple threat match. I wouldn't pull the trigger on it. And I'm going to... Apologies, Adam, but I do a lot of fantasy booking on this podcast and this podcast we know So I would have... Do you, do you remember when Batista was drafted to Raw yeah. and he was trying to get the world title off Edge and Edge was like, hey, sort of like, you can't get my title anymore. Mm. I would have Bianca Belair win a tag match against the likes of like Sasha and Becky with like Naomi or something like that on the SmackDown tomorrow. And then it comes up on the screen, Bianca Belair is drafted to Raw. And it means... The match that she wants with Becky, you know, she was sucker punched at SummerSlam. She had the match won at Extreme Rules before Sasha interfered. She now can't get to Becky. And then I think you push Bianca to be the first two-time Women's Royal Rumble winner. And that's how she gets her match against Becky. I think the first woman to main event WrestleMania against the second woman to main event WrestleMania and the main event of WrestleMania this year would be sensational and it would be a great storyline. And that's why you don't work for WWE because that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> let's be honest, it's going to be a history-making women's match in the Blood Money pay-per-view. Um, it's probably still going to be a no contest then and then they're going to drag it over to the Survivor Series. I know, I know. It's... Uh, do you know what the thing is? It's um, 
they'll they'll drag it to the December people. That's the thing because Survivor Series will be the whole Raw versus SmackDown can they coexist sort of nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine it being Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT this year. That's for sure. No, I don't. I don't think most of the people are still there anymore. <laughs> Actually, well, the, you know, we've, we've talked about the Balor match, so this can take us on to our next story. Um, the draft is this uh, Friday, uh, and then again on Monday on Raw. Yeah. I've put forward my case. I want Bianca Belair to go to Raw just to hold off on that Becky match, have it in the biggest stage possible. Who are some of the people you can see moving? And who would you have a case for moving brand? Ooh, um, I definitely want to see Balor go to Raw because I just think he needs that change. I realise he's, you know, he's only just come back only like a couple of months ago to SmackDown, but there's far more interesting matches for him on Raw as it stands. Um, you know, you could see him going for the US title, uh, which would be pretty good. Um, I would also, I know everyone loves RK Bro on Raw, but I think they need, they should switch the tag team champions. Um, I think RK Bro on SmackDown was a lot more interesting tag teams on SmackDown, um, and I think that they could do with being freshened up. And also, Randy Orton is kind of synonymous with SmackDown. To be fair, I feel like that's his home and that's where he should be. Um, and if you want to throw a woman into the mix. Um, I would switch Liv Morgan um, just because I think that she needs some freshness and some fresher matches and I'm sick of seeing her and Carmella and all that on the same brand it's just a little boring now yeah um, the women's division does need a big shake up I believe on both brands and one of the rumours actually from NXT is Dakota Kai Dakota Kai, I think she's done everything she can in NXT. She's yeah. not the bell. She's had the, you know, the babiest of baby faces, Feudy and Shayna. She's brought in her big daddy cool, her big mommy cool. <laughs> and then turned Shawn Michaels on her and tried to take the title from her unsuccessfully. There's not mm-hmm. much more she can do now that the feud with Raquel Gonzalez is done. And you know what? I think with Queen of the Ring coming up, I think we need more women on both brands. Because yeah. We need some matches we haven't yet seen and we need some characters we haven't yet seen, I think, in that women's division to, to freshen things up. Yeah, I also think there's a lot of rumours of um, Skid Row. Not Skid Row. What called? Hit Row. Skid Row. That's something completely different. Um, Hit Row getting called up. And I think... Um, First of all, them versus New Day will be really good. Um, and also, they, they come with... Um, what's her name? She's only just debuted, and I can't remember her name. B-Fab. Yeah, that was it, B-Fab. Um, that would be a, a completely different women's character to what we've got. I think that would be a really good addition as well to the women's roster. Yeah, she's... She's a really interesting character, a really unique look, and the fact that she is part of a stable... I hope they don't do the Nikki Cross to her, like call up, call up um, roads or skid rows, you called them, and then <laughs> they'll call her up. 
or called up her without uh, hit roll. I, I keep I went to say skid roll and ironic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was at that SmackDown where Nikki Cross randomly debuted on SmackDown. Um, and they really the whole that whole um stable really worked really well the night. Everyone was really into it. And it's as usual, WWE drop the ball because they're a stable and they don't want to be a stable. So, yeah, I think if, if Hit Row do get called up, it would be nice to see them stay together. I think they're too new as well to break them up, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think one of the big rumours is Drew McIntyre to SmackDown. Is Drew McIntyre the one to take the title from Roman Reigns? Is that going to be a WrestleMania match or is it going to be maybe on a B pay-per-view? Who knows? I just I wish they wouldn't do it so close to Survivor Series because it is a case of yeah I'm I'm raw for life and it's like you were sat down for four years before this mate <laughs> yeah and also just on that that Drew McIntyre thing I I can't see Brock losing at Blood Money like at all I just can't see him losing so it's probably going to end up being Brock versus Drew again. Which is the match? Obviously, the crowd wanted, but they never got to see because everybody, you know, it was the end of the world that year. Um, so I kind of feel like if Brock does win, he's just going to hold it, or he'll he'll do a rematch probably at, at Survivor Series just for a bit of box off, a bit of box office. Then he'll disappear with the title for four months and come back at WrestleMania. Yeah, no, <laughs> as the usual thing with Brock, isn't it? Just yeah. will Brock be on TV this week? No. Why not? <laughs> he's he's our champion, but he doesn't need to be here. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking about the draft. Obviously, this week raw, they were hinting towards certain people moving different brands. Sometimes we're giving away. Sometimes it's a bit of a red herring. But raw itself is is continuing this really good streak. Um. Lending more power to the argument that WWE does better when it has competition. Who would have thought? Yeah, it's as if they actually do know how to book shows and just take the absolute pee the rest of the year. Exactly, exactly. It's as if they need to book one big show, as you say, and then, <laughs> well, oh, fuck it. You'll but it it's, nice, it's nice to actually see them making an effort when it's not WrestleMania period. It's like yeah. you actually want to tune in and watch it at the minute. The the most solid I can remember it being, like Rob was really solid during the pandemic when Heyman was booking it. Mm. Uh, but the most consistently like fun I remember WWE being was when Dynamite first started. Again, competition, imagine that. And it started with the NXT invading SmackDown. Yeah. And it, all the start, you know, you had Bullet uh, sorry, Bat- uh, not Battle Club, The Club, showing up to take on uh, Unspeed Era on NXT, Revival against uh, Fish and O'Reilly, uh, NXT title matches on Raw and SmackDown, Walter randomly showing up. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a really fun time. Uh, yeah. and obviously, there was a bit of brand warfare there. Could we be getting a faction warfare? Because Biggie and Bobby Lashley opened up Raw only for Biggie to be, to be attacked by his former Hurt Business members, Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. A lot of people weren't a fan that the Hurt Business broke up. I was one of them. 
really interested to see them back. I'd be really interested to see a six-person tag with, if we don't go down the brand warfare route, part business versus New Day Survivor Series. Yeah, I still, to this day, do not understand why they split up the whole business. There wasn't even any, like, hints that they were going to split up. It was just one week they were together, next week, a sod it, we're going to split them up now. It made no sense at the time, so I'm so glad that they are back together because they are one of the coolest factions to come along in a long time. Uh, and yeah, it would be really good if they actually had a Survivor Series match. And you could even throw in the Bloodline, have a three-way Survivor Series match, which would be very cool. Have you seen, it was the the infamous Vince McMahon uh, almost, I, I don't want to say orgasm facing Vince McMahon in the same <laughs> sense. It's, you know the meme I'm talking about? Yeah. New Day. Hmm. Heart business. Oh. Bloodline. Ah. War games. And it's Vince following it. You're like, that, that would be amazing. That would be amazing, but I just can't see that happening purely because I don't think he wants to do anything that Triple H did well in NXT. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't get to have nice things. <laughs> no. You do it. Yeah, nah, fuck that. Yeah, you know, it was the, la- the last time WWE came to the UK, the, the last time they came to the UK when it was, uh, it was in Manchester in 2019 before the pandemic, the three quarters of that show was really, really, really good and everyone was really into it. And then Finn Balor came and did that dog poo promo and it was like, you've just had a really good show and now we have this as punishment. It just happens with everything. I know. It's the stop enjoying yourself. You'll yeah. enjoy it, but I tell you enjoy yourself. Yeah. I remember you're talking about obviously WWE in UK. This has nothing to do with anything, but I just like telling this story. So Kurt Hawkins versus uh, Apollo Cruz at SmackDown 2016 in Glasgow. And Kurt Hawkins won via roll up and no one in the arena gave a fuck except Scott who was next to me, <laughs> who jumped out his seat and went, yes, and frightened the living daylights out of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Now, that, that, that SmackDown in 2019, I think, actually, I think it was Raw. I think that's how bad the show was. I don't even remember who, which show it was. There was me, a couple of guys from TWM when I was with them for a while, Tom Collar, who, like every other kind of wrestling journalist, all on the back row, at the top of the MEN Arena in Manchester, or the AO Arena, whatever it is now, and we were all bored shitless for 20 minutes while Baron Corby went on about dog shit. I, to this day, I don't understand why why that happened, and I do feel like it was a horrible nightmare. Yeah, it, there is always one thing that... I, I remember, in fact, that, that, um, that SmackDown I went to, I went to the Raw the night before, and other than Noam Dar debuting, it was a really sort of pedantic show. There was nothing good. There was a guy sat next to me who didn't make a sound the entire night, so much so that I forgot he was there. <laughs> the match, after the show, to send the fans home happy, they did a big promo segment with uh, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, uh, Enzo and Cass when they were at their most over, Seth Rollins, and then they had uh, a big... I can't remember who teamed with Kevin Owens and Jericho, but they had a big six-person tag match. And there was a moment in the promo segment where Jericho said something quite funny. And this guy laughed. And again, 
I jumped at my skin because I forgot it was there. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Just just on one completely other random tangent as we're going on random tangents. Um, you mentioned Naam Dar. Obviously, he lost the... Well, he was stripped of the Progress title a few weeks ago. I interviewed him the day after he won the... the not the Progress, like the ICW title. Yeah. Um, I interviewed him the day after he won it. And he never did any other interviews or anything since. And he's never defended the title and he's lost it. It's like, I just felt so bad for him when that happened. <laughs> it's one of those ones where it's something to hang your hat on. Yeah, because when I spoke to him, when I spoke to him, he was, he was like, he was like, I want to represent Scottish wrestling all around the world, and I want to do all these really good things with the title. And he's like, yeah, that just didn't happen at all. <laughs> it's the double-edged sword of WWE working with UK promotions, but yeah. we'll get back to Rogers now. Um, some some really good stuff um, with the heart business we could be doing uh, later on that night a cage match uh, with Bobby Lashley and Big E Big E wins hitting the big ending off the I believe the second rope but what a match and an amazing match and then Drew McIntyre comes out after the match points the sword at Big E and lets him know where whatever brand I end up on I'm coming for the world champion so sort of puts both Big E and Roman Reigns on notice and puts a bit of doubt as to where Drew McIntyre is going to end up. Yeah. I mean, this could be because I'm not Scottish, but I don't know if that was kind of obvious that I'm not Scottish. But um, I don't get the sword. Like, this, can, you, can um, you as a Scots person explain the sword? As a Scottish person, no. Um <laughs> As a, as a human being, no, I can't explain it either. <laughs> I don't know why he has a... It's, um, have you ever seen the film Benchwarmers? No. There's a scene in it where... <laughs> oh, there's just a line in it. It's a, it's a guy who carries about a toy sword with him and you just hear his brother going, can someone get his sword? That's what I, That's all I hear whenever I see Drew Magda. It doesn't make him look cool or mythical or anything in between. It just looks stupid. And I, I don't know if Vince McMahon has heard that there's knife crime in Glasgow and thinks we all carry swords. I don't know if Vince McMahon thinks Scotland is like Game of Thrones. I, I, I cannot speak for that insane man's mind. I, I just can speak for Scottish people when we also say we do not know why he has a sword. I'm just glad that they don't make him thrust it into the ground anymore because that never went right. Every single time he did it, it went horribly wrong. Yeah, it, it ended up squint, didn't it? Or it yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. Nothing worse than a bent sword, as any man will tell you. Now, moving <laughs> on to... Um, so, we had a cage match on this show. We had a US title singles match between... Uh, between Damien Priest and Sheamus. We had... And that was a... a no disqualification, no count outs. There must be a winner. This Raw was more extreme than the extreme of extreme rules. Um, but you're, one, you're, missing, you're missing out the most. Uh, you're missing out the most extreme match that happened on the show, and that's Karrion Cross versus Jackson Riker. Yeah, I wasn't going to talk about that. I think nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, well, that was completely pointless. <laughs> Although it was nice to see that Jackson Riker did beat the shit out. Uh, sorry, Karrion Cross did beat the shit out of Jackson Riker. So, True. you know, the cloud. Um, <laughs> US title match, another great match for Damien Priest. I think he um, he came on to 
the main roster obviously is part of the Bad Bunny feud. He was floundering up, right up until SummerSlam. He sort of found his rhythm now as mid-card champion, a really good representative for WWE. And yeah, I'm glad to see him doing well. And him and Sheamus, unfortunately Sheamus is now out injured. He'll miss the draft. Just, yeah, sorry to see the, the feud end, basically. I'm sorry to see the feud end because I think Damien Priest and Sheamus did bring out the best in each other. Yeah, but I think there's a ready-made replacement because um, you also not mentioned um, Keith Lee and his return with the Bearcat gimmick. I, I, I think that would be a ready-made replacement for Sheamus in that kind of feud. No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I just don't want to put Keith Lee in a title feud unless he's going to win it. And I don't think Damien Priest is, is, is like at the end of his run yet I think Damien Priest is in is in a groove now and that was sort of the problem when Biggie came to the main roster when Biggie came to the main it's Biggie sorry Keith Lee came to the main roster he was putting the WWE title feud and putting matches with Randy Orton putting matches with Drew McIntyre but they weren't ready to put the title on him and all it did was build up his his losses and sort of took away some of the mystique so I'm hoping that Let's keep him away from the title picture just now. And then, you know, a couple of weeks down the line, who knows, yeah, Keith Lee versus uh, Damien Priest, I'm all for. Yeah, I think it could work. I think it could work closer to Survivor Series or maybe TLC, but I think long-term that would be a good match that people would want to see. Yeah, I think um, Survivor Series is important, I think, for a lot of characters. I think you'll be able to tell who's going to be booked well in 2022 over who gets a showing at Survivor Series this year. I think Keith Lee could be one of those. I, th- I can see him being a sole survivor in whatever Survivor Series team he's on. Yeah. I think also on that role, it was nice to see Shayna Baszler return to being a complete badass, but in a face way, because I don't think anybody booed her for what she did. Yeah, uh, I was going to get to that after the um, women's title match, but let's talk about it just now. Um, I seen a tweet that said the most WWE thing I've ever seen is that Shayna beats the shit out of Eva Marie, but no <laughs> one can see Eva Marie because it's Eva Marie. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get why I don't get what they brought her back for. They didn't putting her with Dewdrop or Viper, as literally everybody wants to call her. What did that achieve for Eva Marie? When it was all about her, nobody knew Viper was coming up. The whole thing was about Eva Marie. What was the point? There was no point. I honestly thought they were going to win the tag titles together, sort of like when Sandow won it for him and Miz. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. Miz carried both titles about where we wouldn't let Sandow carry his. That's how I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to be a case of, um, like the selfish champion, or you know, do drop would do all the work, and then Eva Marie would get the pin because she'd be tagged in. I mean, yeah, it, it, it would have been great to see Viper doing all the work, but Eva acting as if she was the greatest champion. But again, that's why we don't work for WWE because we like good booking. It's not even that. I think that was discussed as a plan at one point, I believe. 
WWE official, like it came out reports that that was going to be the plan. It would like Drew Drop would win the Money in the Bank for Eva Marie. Mm. I mean, that would have been good, but I mean, even the, the storyline going the way it did, it end, it just ended. It didn't even last that long. You're talking like a month. Why it could have gone on for a lot longer than what it did because now Eva and Marie has had her arm broken. Probably she comes back, and what's she gonna do? Nobody cares about her. Uh, Viper, okay, she's looking good, but I don't think her gimmick is going to work long term at all. Nah, I can maybe see Dewdrop being drafted, and then I don't think she'll ever be called Viper in WWE because of the Randy Orton nickname. But I think she'll get drafted somewhere and then be repackaged as like Piper Niven. I I don't see this Dewdrop character being a long term thing. I mean, credit credit to her though. She's made it work. Yeah, no, absolutely. She's she's went in through. She's not acted like a diva about it. She's not complained about it. She's taken the opportunity, and hell, you know, she's done well. Done well. I I've never been the biggest Viper fan, but I think she's done very well with us. We'll move on from Eva Marie to Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss is apparently going to be off. WWE TV for the near future. Um, I'm hoping, obviously, I said before knowing this because I've just found this out. I said to you during the Extreme Rules review that I hope if she gets an injury or comes to a natural conclusion, um, apparently the reasons are unknown at this time, but Bliss would be away from a few months. A PW Insider in an update reported she's undergoing a sinus surgery and that's why she was written off TV. I'm hoping she comes back as just normal Alexa Bliss. Hold on. She's having sinus surgery. I have sinus issues. And if I was going to get surgery, I'd be fine in a week. Just to add my my medical knowledge into the mix. Your job isn't getting punched in the face. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't pause there to think of all the times you've been punched in the face. Or uh, <laughs> once, no, yeah, my time life. No, no, but I, I think she's. It's rumored there you go. It's rumored that Bliss will undergo a character change while she's away, but it's not been confirmed. Speculation she will back to her brackets old self when she's brought back. Yeah, I think that's what everyone wants. I think that's what she wants. I think that's what she needs. So, yeah. it's She's had a good run. She's tried to make it work, but it didn't. And I don't really think anybody has liked it. Nah, and I think it's left a bad taste in the mouth, the fact that Bray Wyatt left, and she's still using that gimmick. Yeah. it's Yeah, it is a little bit like rubbing it in everyone's face. I mean, I've always liked Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss has been one of my favourites, but... It's been hard to watch. It was all right at first when it was with The Fiend, and but it's just you can't do it by yourself because there's the whole backstory, and they basically want us to forget that backstory exists. Yeah, exactly. And if you forget the backstory, you just forget anything about the character, and it just it's it is as you said, it's poor taste, and it is a bit stupid. Um, so we've talked about Seamus potentially missing the draft. We've talked about Alexa Bliss potentially missing the draft. Um, Randy Orton, one half of the Raw Tag Team Champions, apparently out of action. Uh, not present for Extreme Rules or the post-Raw edition of Extreme Rules. Original plans were for 
Orton to take on Big E. Um, there's no word on when Orton will be back or why exactly he's not cleared. All WWE officials said is he is not cleared to perform. Um, I'm hoping this doesn't mean an end to RK Bro because Riddle's had this twice now where he's been in a really entertaining tag team and then stuff has just stopped it from happening. You know, the Bros weights were one of the highlights of NXT pre-pandemic. And then obviously Pete Dunne gets stuck in the UK. He gets goes into this weird MMA feud with Thatcher, sorry, Timothy Thatcher. Oh. And then that was it. You know, the Bros weights were no more. I think, I kind of think there's something more going on with Orton because he's just had that really long layoff that nobody really knew what that was about either. And now they're saying he's not cleared again. It kind of feels like maybe, I mean, he's been wrestling for like 20 odd years now. I feel like it's it's kind of sounds like it's catching up with him. Uh, I hope it isn't. I hope he's fine. But yeah, I mean, I do feel sorry for Riddle because every, I think everybody behind the scenes in WWE wanted him to fail. And he's done so well, and the crowd love him, and he's made this tag team work really well. I just hope that if Orton if Orton can't compete properly, that if they do have to defend the titles, which obviously they do, they have him do minimal in ring stuff to keep them the belts on them, but they still keep him on the show each week. Yeah, it's. It's, do you remember when Barrett was injured, but he was in the League of Nations, and he would yeah. just send six-person tags. He would never wrestle in them, and then obviously he chose to leave at the end of his contract. Mm. And the last few months of his contract, he just sort of sat out. Um, I'm hoping he can still do RKO's, obviously. If not, mm. that's fine. But, um, I'm just, I'm just hoping this doesn't lead another Randy Orton heel turn because he's starting to turn into the picture. Yeah. I mean, when you, you just mentioned the RKO there, when you think about how you take or how you do the RKO, you can see that having a lot of long-term damage. But I just wish, I know WWE don't ever like saying, here's what's wrong with someone, we're going to be open and honest about it. But it would be nice if something, you know, if they came out and said what was going on because it just makes it worse because, I mean, okay, not everybody likes the backstage gossip and all that kind of thing, but it is noticeable that he's not there and that he's just randomly disappeared off TV again. I know. Um, it's, again, there's not much you can say about it, but um, here's hoping that he's back soon. Some good news for WWE. Um, Chief Marketing Officer Stephanie McMahon has been named one of the world's most influential CMOs. So, congratulations, Stephanie McMahon. Yay. <laughs> I know. McMahon, who ranked number two on the list, uh, she won it last year, and in 2019, she finished 20, uh, finished 13. So, well done, Stephanie McMahon. It's funny that that happens at the same time the news comes out that Shane McMahon really has nothing to do with WWE anymore. It's like... You can see who is the favourite McMahon child. Yeah, I think Stephanie's the happy to toe the line, whereas Shane, as you mentioned, he's not got anything to do with WWE. I think Shane likes to do his own thing, whereas Stephanie is happy to toe the family line. Yeah, definitely. We talk about um, 
wrestling retirements a lot and oh god will they stick to it and not many people st- tend to stick to a retirement um, Leo Rush is well on his way to being this generation's uh, Terry Funk because my god he's apparently signed with AEW he had apparently signed with them before when he appeared in the Battle Royal at was it All Out yeah yeah and he appeared in the Battle Royal, then announced he was retiring, then announced he was injured, then he had to have surgery on his knee. Now he's completely fine, and now he's back with all elite. Who's this guy's doctor? Dr. Nick? <laughs> but, but you're forgetting this is like the third time, fourth time he's retired. He left WWE. He wrestled one match somewhere in the Indies, released a rap album and said, yeah, I'm retired now, I'm going to be a rapper. Then he came. Then he came back and was like, yeah, I'm retiring again because my head's not in it. And then he came back and retired again, and now he's back again. So what is the point? Yeah, it's... Oh, I don't have much to say about him. I, I thought he was okay as a cruiserweight in WWE. I thought he was an okay wrestler. He botches quite a bit, but... I don't, I don't get the hype around him. He's not. Yeah. He's got the most. He's got the most irritating voice. Yeah. I couldn't stand him as Lashley's manager. It drove me up the wall. Lashley didn't need it. Just don't make him speak if you're going to put Leon Rush with him. And I don't find him that entertaining in the ring. He's nothing special. I think a lot of people still see him as whatever that meme was that went around for years when he did some ridiculous move off a ladder. Oh, he gets powerbombed off a ladder and then stands right back up. Yeah, that. I feel like that's how everyone still sees him. Yeah, it's um, it's a bizarre one. I look forward to next week when Central, when me and David Campbell or me and whoever I've got on are reporting that Leo Rush is t- retired yet again. And then <laughs> if that if that happens, if that happens, please just get me on for that one minute. <laughs> And then in two weeks, when John Itchwood returns, we'll talk about how he is re-signed for MLW. And then when Scott McLeod's on, in three weeks, we'll discuss how he's retired from MLW. You've got Where's, you've got where's Wally? It's like Where's Rush this week. Right, where's Leo? Um, yeah, not someone I think's great. If AW are going to have like a junior heavyweight title or a cruiserweight title, they certainly have a division for it. But he's—I don't ever see him getting into the TNT title feud, and I don't ever see him getting into. Um, the world title um, picture. Speaking of the TNT title, um, I know you're not particularly happy about this. Sammy Guevara defeated Rusev to win the AEW TNT Championship. Why spend months building Rusev or Miro up as a legitimate beast, heel, incredible guy for months and then one week ago, it was, oh, suddenly you've got a match against Sammy Guevara. Oh, and now you've lost. Clean. In the middle of the ring. Why? It's terrible. Terrible booking and completely destroys everything they did with Russo for months. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to see why they did it as well. Miro, not since his first US Championship run in WWE of Rusev, has he looked as dominant and he's getting to show his personality here. The whole God's favourite champion and the Redeemer thing I thought was amazing. And uh, yeah, just with no build, being cleanly in the middle of the ring. It's the... Um, I-, I talk about the Kofi uh, Kingston title one 
for years, Kofi Kingston was, um, he would never have any build to championship matches. He would essentially be a heel who, because they needed another heel champion, he would be like the transitional one. Or if someone had moved to Raw for SmackDown, SmackDown to Raw, he would take the title back to the, the original brand. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. it was a weird one. And I've seen a lot of memes going about it. Said, why did Sammy Guevara beat, um, why did Sammy Guevara beat uh, Miro? And someone said, because Cody needs a face champion to cement his heel turn. And I just thought, oh, good God, no. I can, uh, yeah, I can uh, see that. But I just, it was just a waste, an absolute waste. Where's Miro going to go from here? The only way, the only place he goes is bring Lana in and completely forget about the last six months almost. Because there's nowhere for that to go now. Yeah, it's an odd one. It really is. Um, we, we mentioned Cody Rhodes there. There's two new stories uh, concerning Cody Rhodes. We'll talk about um, the on-screen Cody Rhodes. Um, him and Lee Johnson uh, defeated Matt Seidel and uh, Dante Martin. Cody Rhodes cut a promo after the match asking uh, Alistair Black to confront him. And Arn Anderson just cut him off and said, Cody, just stop talking. Um, he said he doesn't uh, he cuts ties with losers and Rhodes is a loser and he walks away with uh, Johnson he then mentioned this is the most bizarre promo I think I've ever heard uh, he said there's two big differences between you and I Cody uh, if you pull up to a red light and a man jerks your door open and tries to take your car you say okay just take it don't hurt me you know what I do? I pull out the Glock, put it to his forehead and spill his brains over the concrete. I'm Arn Anderson and I'd be damned if I'm going to coach a loser. Come with me, Lee. At least you'll listen to me. Arn Anderson is a gun nut. That's lovely to hear. That was just one of the oddest things. It was Actually, it wasn't odd. It was extremely surreal. <laughs> um, and actually, Dave, um, David Bixenspan uh, on Twitter, he... He remembered because he's got a ridiculous memory for promos. He actually put what this, what was it he put? He said, What this has made clear is that when Arn cut that, when someone breaks into your house, you don't spray him with a garden hose, you hit him over the head promo bat, you hit him over the head with a baseball bat promo in WCW. The hit him over the head with a baseball bat line was probably a TBS approved sub for his Glock. It's like, it was, it, I, Yes, as ridiculous as that promo was, it worked. It proved the point, and it worked. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. It's, uh... <laughs> I, mean, I think also, as Jericho said the other week that he got bollocked by TNT for smoking a cigarette during an angle. Um, because TNT don't say to them, you can't do this, you can't do that. They say it after it's happened. So they'll probably get told off for that, but it's happened. So it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is a weird one. It's excuse me. It's very much a very eighties promo, but but I mean, if Cody Rhodes is trying to basically be his dad two point well, he may as well steal promos from the eighties as well. I'd rather see Tully, uh, not Tully Blanchard. I'd rather see Arn Anderson doing that than Tully Blanchard challenging bloody sting to a match that's something from the 80s that i don't want to see (laughs) 
Sorry, I'm just looking through Twitter just now. Um, Damien Priest and Bobby Lashley both teasing going to SmackDown, which of course means they're not going to SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, it means they're probably going to end up on NXT UK, of course. <laughs> um, so from AEW on screen to AEW backstage, uh, apparently, uh, according to Cassidy Hayes of Body Slam, uh, the AEW executive vice president have apparently lost some of the creative control they once had when launching the company. Uh, the AEW EVPs are Corey Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, uh, and they, apparently they had their uh, creative control essentially taken away by head of creative Tony Khan. Uh, I'm just looking through here. Everything now basically goes through Khan. AEW talents are reportedly allowed and encouraged to pitch ideas and give suggestions, but essentially creative is absolutely Khan's prerogative now. Essentially. We want to hear your ideas, but, you know, we'll approve them. So, I don't think it's a bad system. Yeah, so basically they're being run how a company should be run. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Because, I mean, yes, AEW, when it started, had some really good moments. But it was a complete mess of booking. So I can see why Tony Khan's gone, yeah, I'm putting millions into this. I want a final say. It's yeah, and I'm I'm just looking here. Apparently, it was said at one point Cody was the only EVP to regularly attend office meetings and was an office regular. But that role, as well as input with creative, was greatly diminished. The report further noted Matt Jackson's role as EVP was to help his wife Dana with merchandise. Again, I have no problem with Dana Jackson being in the merchandising thing. She's obviously helped the Young Bucks become very successful merchandisers, well independent. It makes sense why she'd be in there. Uh, Nick Jackson is focused on handling the Being Elite series. Again, another big thing that they do. Uh, Apparently, Omega is very hands-on with the AEW games division and the gaming side of things while still helping to put together matches for the women's division. See, this this is something... The direct improvement of the AEW's women's division has been when the AEW games have started to come out and needed more Kenny Omega to be hands-on. So he's been more hands-off with the women's division. Yeah, I mean, that is not a bad thing. When I was um, helping out at TWM, one of the biggest bugbears that one of the girls we used to have there, Shirley, she would rant for days about Kenny Omega and how bad he, how badly he was running that women's division. Um and it's true that the women's division had no purpose when he was essentially running it. And now it is must watch. It's, you know, you want to know what's happening with that women's division every week. No, absolutely. And again, for how good a wrestler um, Kenny Omega is, he's absolutely sensational. He is a terrible booker when it comes to the women's division. And, you know, it's bad thing apparently like last year when Edge had a, a run as part of Raw Creative he was apparently called terrible apparently some of his ideas were horrendous but you know Edge is still one of the best of all times yeah. some people take it some people don't but it's like when in WCW Hulk Hogan I mean okay racist piece of shit whatever um, Hulk Hogan Kevin Nash Scott Hall fantastic wrestlers utter legends terrible bookers it's like when a footballer, a legendary footballer becomes a manager, Paul Scholes, utterly awful football manager, fantastic player. Yeah. It's the same theory. No, no, absolutely. I am a, 
I'm haunted by the Betty Vokes era as Scotland manager. He won a European Championship and got to a World Cup final with West Germany. He actually won it as a manager, but basically, you know, you remember Germany in the 1990s, there was no stopping them for Christ's sake. So that wraps up most of our news for this week. Uh, the only the only thing really left to do is uh, Campbell's question every week, David Campbell, against my wishes and the fact that I didn't ask him to do it. Uh, post a question into our Eats the Supply Strategic Community and he I read the answers out here because apparently I've not got enough to do. Um, so on Campbell's question, he's asked... Uh, the main event seen on Raw recently has been nothing less than black excellence. So tell me this, what wrestler of colour, male or female, should have a run with a world title in WWE? So just looking at the comments here. Um, Callum Bennett says, Mark Henry, without question, should have beat Cena in the greatest twist in wrestling ever. Uh, Jack Graham said he would like to have seen MVP get a run with a WWE title. Stephen Wilson said, awesome Kong. Um, Steve Wilson as well, Ron Simmons, a former champ in WCW but never got shot in WWE, should have got it when nation leader. I think that would have been great. And imagine The Rock usurping him for his first WWE title as well. Mm. I think everyone you've mentioned now, although they weren't champions, although some of them were, they yeah. had runs at the top. They 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 weren't exactly underexposed. Yeah. Um, David Hockney said, although Booker T did get a run with the big gold belt, I reckon he should have got a run with it as a face back at Mania 19. Um, Billy Strachan said, Ahmed Johnson I would have enjoyed during the new generation era. Brackets and Mabel. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Fitzpatrick said, Shelton Benjamin, perfect chance would have been 2004 after moving to Raw. His upset wins over Triple H, even if having the title for over a week. I see his point. The only problem was that Benoit had the title then, and it was like Benoit's time at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scott McLeod, <laughs> ever ever trying to suck up to his older brother and his favourite wrestlers, posted a gif of the glorious Viscera winning a battle royal at WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really sad stuff. Well, sad in a weird way. I used to get called Viscera at school before I even knew what wrestling was. I never knew what it was, and then I realised that's not a good thing. I had a really good time at school. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know who he was. I never watched wrestling. It's just we all used to get called wrestlers' names and I was this one. And it took a few years to realise why. Mm. Jesus Christ. Anyway. <laughs> is there anyone... I know you mentioned people had like runs at the top or... Yeah were pushed but is there anyone you would like to have seen pushed differently or maybe go over in a certain storyline uh, in WWE I think the obvious one is Virgil he should have been champion definitely um, now I'm clearly joking um, um, <laughs> um, I think Naomi deserves far more respect and far better treatment than she gets I get that it's building up to some kind of match between her and Sonya right now but she deserves to be in the title picture all the time she's far too good for where she is to be fair there seems to be um, so I, I follow Naomi on Twitter and she like, retweets or like, likes when people do you remember when she came out with the um, the afro at the Royal Rumble 2020 yeah and 
there was hundreds, and I mean hundreds, of uh, African-American and black females who didn't watch wrestling, but were posting, like, who is this queen? I'm going to have to start watching WWE. Like, hundreds of people tweeting support for her, hundreds of people talking about how cool she looked, and then, I, I believe, she was in the 2021 Royal Rumble, I believe, wasn't yeah. she? Yeah, it, it happened again, you know, our gear, people were talking again, like, who, who is this? Who, Who is she? Like, we need to know who she is. We need more of her, and I'll start watching wrestling. And it seems to be, um, they've been doing this for a couple of years where we're just like, Naomi's on the cusp, Naomi's on the cusp. She's been, she's been held under, she's been held under. And then they never go anywhere with it. And I know it's building towards a, a Sonya Deville thing, but my, I just I hope they hurry up and do something with it. Yeah, it's the classic thing of Vince doesn't like people getting over. So she's not going to get over because the fans like her and Vince doesn't like that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just, like- there, there are just um, someone else that never got mentioned, D'Lo Brown. I get he was his own worst enemy. Um, but I just, you know, he's a Liverpool fan. He deserves far better. And he could have been champion if he was booked correctly. D'Lo Brown is part of that. Like, I call it the SmackDown to know your role roster. <laughs> the sort of just cult icons. Yeah. Like, people always talk. There's that. It was him, Ken Shamrock, and Steve Blackman that people always talk about, like, oh, do you remember back in the day when, like, yeah, I remember, like, I still watch wrestling. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long ago that he was a mainstay on TNA Impact, and he was only a cop, well, he still is a commentator, so he's still around. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he gets the respect he deserves at all. Nah, the, 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 I mean, he was wearing the, the body protector before Roman Reigns. Yeah, that's true. I'm doing that weird head shake thing that I still don't understand to this day. You look at, because he was the real deal. How else would you know he was the real deal if he didn't shake his head? So I asked him about it a couple of years ago because I interviewed him for TWM and he said it was a reference from some film I've never heard of. I don't think anyone's ever heard of. And it was just the most random thing. And I still don't understand it, even though he's explained it to me. Fair enough. I'm just looking. I'd like to have seen Booker T uh, win the title, even if it was just to stop Triple H's ring of ho- uh, reign of horror in <laughs> WWE. Um, we're talking about reigns of horror, Jeff Jarrett and TNA. Mm. Um, Monty Brown, I think, would have been a great champion. Mm. I think and- Elix Skipper as well would have been very good. Uh, we're like just when it was just when TNA was kicking off. Like starting to get good, I think Elix Skipper should have been champion at that point as well. I think we'd be seeing Bobby Lashley if he didn't eventually get the the heart business run. Um, and you know what? I think um, he got a knee injury and he was never the same when he came back. Um, Ezekiel Jackson won the ECW Championship on the last episode of uh, ECW. Had one SmackDown appearance. They went away on a European tour. He blew out his knee. He then, it's it's some personal issues. His father had passed away right when he was due to come back. So then he had to head back home. And then he, was, he came back and he was just, he was never the same. And I think Vince by then had just like given up on him. 
I'd actually forgotten about Ezekiel Jackson until you mentioned him. I think he in a really you know, like he had the look, he had the the physicality, everything that Vince McMahon loves. Mm. I think he's a big wasted opportunity. Someone who unfortunately get dealt with a bad hand with injury and personal stuff. And as you mm. mentioned, she's got herself over and I think that's why she's not getting over. Yep. Right, well, that's going to do it this week for this week's uh, ESSR Central. Thank you very much, Adam Kaler, for joining me. No problem, it's been fun. Thank you very much, I've enjoyed having you on here. Uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with all the news, interviews, reviews and previews. And if you want to hear our back catalogue, that's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android. And of course, at Suplex Retweet, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, you name it, we're on it. And if you want to get involved in the show and Campbell's question, uh, that's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet Community uh, on Facebook. Over 330, sorry, 320 members there just now. We're talking about all things wrestling. Just some place to have fun and come talk about wrestling. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McGrobby. We are the host of the monthly show on Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat East Meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check out on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply